session is not about. We're all going to stand up and gargle. Um, <laughs> um, but you think about this. What is the most unruly part of your body? Right there. Right there. And so for God to give this gift, where I don't know what I'm saying, but there's something in me that says, I'm not making this up. It's a work of God's spirit. And I, I, I can just tell you, having been the grateful recipient of this gift, exercising that gift, though I got no idea what's being said unless God were to give me a sense of interpretation. And that's how the gift is to be used publicly. It's not to be used publicly unless there is one giving that interpretation. And so, um, so that which is very peculiar and that which is very criticized in some camps of Christianity, I get that. I think it's been misused, like anything can be misused. Televangelists misuse the gospel. There can be all that going on. But that doesn't invalidate the fact that it's in here. And... Um, and if, if, if it's in here, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, where you can see a little bit about that, it's for personal edification. And you say, well, isn't personal edification selfish? Actually, no. Because the more I'm built up, what do I want to do? Build up others. That's just, it's... So, um, again, that, that's not in my notes either. But... Um, I, I know just because it is so misunderstood, uh, it is a, an awkward topic. Um, and yet, it's in the book. And uh, so, anyway, thank you, love, very much. Um, there's a guy by the name of Ira Griffin Yates, Jr. He lived from 1859 to 1939. And he grew up in a cattle ranching family. Uh, but he found himself in the, interestingly enough, in the grocery business in West Texas. Um, he surprisingly traded a very successful grocery, his grocery and, uh, and dry goods store, uh, for a, a 16,000, almost 17,000 acre river ranch in Pecos County, Texas, just below Midland, Texas. <clears throat> and he did that in, in June of 19... 15. Um, and since he had more experience in ranching than as a grocer, he thought he'd be able to do this. He actually spent more for the ranch than he got for the grocery store. And, um, <clears throat> but herding and selling and caring for cattle is, is a bunch of work, but it was work he was familiar with. But in the 1920s, he was struggling. He was struggling to lose that piece of property. And, um, but Ira was approached by a man with Transcontinental Oil Company to drill for oil where previously they had found none. But when the drilling hit 997 feet below the surface, more oil came out of the ground than could be contained. And the rest, the rest is history. Yates Petroleum Company was found. And since they first struck oil, over 1.5 billion barrels of oil have been extracted from the Yates field since then, making the Yates field one of the most prolific fields in the history of the United States oil and gas exploration. Now, here's the question. When did Ira Yates become a billionaire? Well, he became a billionaire the moment he, he struck his signature to that contract that says, I now own this property. But did he know he was a billionaire? No. But he was every bit a billionaire then, as he was before he realized it. And that is what is true for all of us who have gotten in the wheelbarrow, who've said, I do to Jesus. But now we get to drill more deeply into the reserves, if you will, of what we have in Christ by the Holy Spirit. 
So we may feel like we live in a drought-stricken or on a drought-stricken ranch, but God has given us the Holy Spirit in all we need for life and godliness. In Christ, we have wealth beyond what we can imagine. It may not be in dollars, but it is in the very character of Jesus Christ, which Annette was talking about in the fruit of the Spirit, becomes more and more and more formed in us with riches beyond anything this world could give us. Peter wrote in his second letter to the churches, he wrote this, he says, His, God's divine power, has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. Did you hear that? God gives us his nature. We live in the very nature of God, having escaped from the corruption, right? How do we escape from the corruption, right? Escape from Adam's race, placed into Christ. Having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of the sinful desire. He says, for this reason, make every effort. Because you're a billionaire, make every effort to live like a billionaire. That's the, my translation of it. Make every effort to supplement your faith. Now, the very faith that God gave us is a gift to, to, uh, to receive him. To supplement your faith with virtue. And with virtue, knowledge. And knowledge with self-control. And self-control with steadfastness. And steadfastness with godliness. And godliness with brotherly affection. And brotherly affection with love. In other words, God wants us to be secure in him. He wants us to be absolutely certain and comfortable with our environs. He wants us to know Again, this, this may not sound like much to you right now, but there's days coming when we need to know this, that you and I could not belong any more to the kingdom of God than what we do now. You and I could not be any more accepted or fit for heaven right at this moment at, can't see my watch, at almost one o'clock than we are right now. We need to see that. So, you recognize this former president, yeah, that's John Kennedy in the Oval Office. And he's just doing his work. I want you to see, as the president is about the work of the world's business and the country's business, this. Now, how concerned is little John John right now about... I'm in the office of the President of the United States. Now, he's right at home. His dad is the President. He could not be any more comfortable. There's actually another picture of Kennedy meeting with, uh, I don't know if they were Pentagon officials or what they were, State Department officials, but there's a picture as they're talking about the attack, the, the Bay of Pigs disaster. Um, there's a little John John under the table, just playing with a train or something. But he's at home with his father. And God wants us to know that we are at home with him. We fit. You may not feel like you fit. You fit in God's presence. And God's presence fits in you because God says so. God desires that. So we, again, we just need to suck this in to know this. This is what transforms us. John writes this. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the children of God. Look what John said. And so we are. Right? Look at this love. I mean, can we begin to fathom the magnitude of this love that we have been called the children of God, and so we are. Do you know that? Are you confident of that? God wants you and me to know that and to be 
confident in it. And we know that by being filled with the Spirit and constantly filled with the Spirit. Get used to being, as I wrote in your notes here, get used to being unconditionally loved and accepted. Get used to it. But never, ever, 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 never with not being. So we see here a new life and a new power to live because there's a new inhabitant within us. Isn't that great news? A new life and a new power because a new inhabitant lives within us. In Acts chapter 1, now Jesus has just ascended, right? He's about to ascend from from the earth. He's resurrected. He's about to ascend. And he says this to his disciples, but you will receive power when the spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and the end of the earth. He's wanting them to know you're going to receive power. You're going to receive this power to be my witnesses. I mean, your life by virtue, <clears throat> I'm going to Terry just a minute ago, we were sitting at the table and Terry said, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Terry said, uh, Frank, just people see that I'm different. Has anybody said that to you after you come to Christ? They just, there's something different about you. Uh, and it's a good thing. You, the spirit will come upon you. <clears throat> That's what's going to happen. The spirit will come upon you. And because the spirit has come upon you, you will be my witnesses. It doesn't say, and you're going to witness. I'm not saying it doesn't say that we don't. But it says, your life will be that of a witness. Your life will look more and more like the life and the character of Jesus Christ. That's, that's what he's, he's telling us here. We will receive that power and we will be his witnesses. And then Paul writes to the Corinthians. Now, here's something. We talk about tongues being strange. This is strange. Okay? But how do you know if it's strange or not? Or do you not know, he's telling them, that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You have been bought with a price. So worship God with your bodies. Why? Because you'll receive power when the Spirit comes and you will be my witnesses and therefore you will worship God in your body. It's going to look like God is in you. Hey, does it feel like you're a temple of the Holy Spirit? Do you like sometimes feel this construction thing going on inside of you? Um, no. But do you know a scripture that one of my first scriptures to memorize and something that I repeat to myself often? Frank Loria, you are a temple of God's spirit. You're a dwelling place of God who is in you. Right? You are not your own, Frank. You are bought with a price, Frank. Worship your father. Love your father. Reveal your father. Because that's who you are. You're not an Adam guy anymore. You belong to Christ and Christ belongs to you. And now by the spirit, he dwells in you. He dwells in you. Here's a prayer that I have prayed over. I prayed, Net and I, and I particularly when I put the kids to bed, would pray this prayer over my kids, uh, our kids. And um, it's what Paul prays for the church at Ephesus. And this is something, I, this is a prayer I would encourage you guys to either put to memory or just have it in front of you all the time. And, and, and look at what he says. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that, why? So that you may know him better. Isn't that, isn't that great? So that you may fall more in love with him. So that you may know him better. I pray 
The eyes of, this is going to take the spirit of wisdom and revelation. I pray the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. That may be open. The eyes of your heart. I didn't know I had eyes in my heart. What he's talking about here is spiritual eyes. The eyes of my heart enlightened. Why? So that I will know the hope to which he has called you. You think about that? God has called us to a hope, a living hope, a certain hope. So you'll know the hope to which he's called you. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Now, did, did you get that? What that says here is that you may know the hope to which you be called. That you may know that to... This is what it's saying. My translation. That you will know to God, you are a rich inheritance. God considers you in Christ as an inheritance. Well, not much of an inheritance. No. Quite an inheritance. One for whom Christ died. The riches of his glory, us, inheritance in his holy people. And, let's go act. Remember, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and be my witnesses. And his incomparably, let's say that word, incomparably great power for us who believe. What kind of power is that? That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. That sounds like power. Now, either there's something wrong with God's power or there's something wrong with me in not actually believing that kind of power can of God, not of me, that power of God can be manifest through you and me. Now, we're going, well, what are you, what are you talking about? I mean, leaping tall buildings in a single bound, faster than a speeding bullet. I mean, we're not talking about Superman kind of stuff here. We're talking about when we get cut off in traffic, we don't respond. That's power. Isn't that power? When we get cut off by our spouse in mid-conversation, we don't respond back in anger. When we're watching the news, which is never a good idea, instead of screaming at the television set, that's power. Uh, in, instead of fudging on particular tax forms or whatever, well, maybe not. Let's go to another example. Um, instead, of, um, instead of maybe telling half-truths, we wouldn't imagine doing that. That's power. Instead of keeping our mouths shut when we know we should say something because we're afraid what may th somebody may think, that's power. Well, maybe when raising my hands when nobody's doing it around me because I surrender that's power. Do you understand what I'm saying? The power of God's spirit takes on many forms and may seem very pedestrian for some, but for others, it's a huge, huge step. And so, but also God's power, I've experienced somebody laying hands on me and serious illness gone, just gone. Uh, serious, just, I had two seriously muscle pulls that would not heal. And somebody prayed for me. And I'll never forget this. My body, I mean, just started shaking. Now, I, I didn't make my body shake. The temperature wasn't low. Everything was just fine. And these people prayed for me, and I'm like this. And that month, two month long, just wouldn't heal, was gone. I can remember, I'm driving. You don't mind that I tell you these stories, do you? Okay, good. Well, you can leave if you want. Um, I can remember this. Keith Collins is getting married. Um, now, this is, how long have Keith and Gina been married? Close to 30 years, probably. Yeah, well, Gina, never mind, yeah. Obviously, uh, Sophie's 29. So, um, so um, which is impossible to believe. So I am, I just played 
I do not play golf. So just in case you want to, I don't play golf. So if you want to play with a bad golfer, I would be the one that you want to ask, but I'll say no. Um, so uh, we went to play golf, Keith and, and Perry Fry, and it, Keith got married in March. Now, you know what's hanging around in the air in March, don't you? Like everything pollen, everything green. And I mean, I was just, the allergies were killing me. And uh, we got home from playing golf and my eyes just running like this. And we got home and Perry's wife, Patrice, looks at me and says, what happened to your face? I said, well, this is the face I've always had. Um, she said, she said, your face is caked in green. So I, the pollen came into my ears, flooded out into my ears, into my eyes, flooded out of my eyes and just dried just on my, I, I wish you if we'd had cell phones then we would have t- taken a picture. Um, but I can remember the next day I'm taking the chairs and I'm bringing them to the place of the reception and I'm just having this conversation with God and I'm just getting angry. And you know, God's okay when you get angry. Do you know it's okay? I mean, he knows you feel that way. Just go ahead and let him know. And it's like, Lord, I don't want to be beset by these allergies. I'm tired all the time. I can't think. I've got a headache. I don't get this, Lord. And then I just started thanking him for my allergies. And just gave him and just said, Lord, thank you. I, I, just give the, I just give these allergies to you. Since that day, not once, not once have I fought allergies like that. Now explain that to me. It was my, it was my positive confession. No, it was an amazing God who just showed up. For reasons I don't know. And you know, and I've prayed for people who have cancer and they were not healed. And I've prayed for people that have other stuff and they were not healed. And I can tell you stories of people that have been healed and stuff like that. And I've been healed. I don't know why God does what he does. But he fills us with his spirit to accomplish things through us. So that we can declare how great he is. No man heals you. If someone has the gift of healing, it's the person, I think, that received the healing, not the person that prayed for you. And so, you know, as we, we, we look at this and we look at this, this, this power is an amazing power. It's the power to love the unlovable. That would be all of us. It would be the power to go and give of yourself, give financially. You know, there are all of these gifts and works of God's spirit. And he does that. That's what he does. Jesus lived in the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's our only way to live as well. If you just look in your, um, in the, in your handout, because um, I, I don't think I've got this on the screen. I, I, I don't believe I do. Um, but it says he lived in the power of the spirit. This is page 12, top of page 12, Luke chapter four, verse one says, and Jesus being filled with the Holy spirit was led by the spirit in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by the devil. Okay. So the spirit of God leads Christ into the wilderness to be tempted. That sounds kind of interesting to be tempted by the devil. The spirit, did you hear me? The spirit of God led Jesus into the desert to be tempted by the devil. Because Jesus was going to do something through this time of utter weakness that was going to be immensely important. And we see here that Jesus lived on earth, not in his power as God the Son, but in the power of the spirit. And you see here just these notes. He resisted the devil by the power of the Spirit. He served God by the power of the Spirit. He received wisdom by the power of the Spirit. He ministered to people's needs by the power of the Spirit. He cast out demons by the power of the Spirit. He fed thousands by the power of the Spirit. He raised the dead by the power of the Spirit. He loved all the way to death by the power of the Spirit. Now, what Spirit is that that's the same spirit now what, what if you've got your alpha bible and i know some of you do if you don't i'm sorry um but it's on page if you just turn to page 1045 
wow, it is raining. Ten forty-five. It's Romans eight eleven. So again, Paul's letter to the the churches in Rome, the eighth chapter, the eleventh verse. Now, I'm, I want us to read this because I, I just want us to see this, this, this nuance in this verse here. 8, 11. It says this. Are you there? Top right-hand column, almost through the first full paragraph. He says, If the spirit wit of him who raised Jesus from the dead does what? Dwells. In you. What spirit are we talking about here? The spirit that did what? Raised Jesus from the dead. If the same spirit, so we're not talking about a different spirit, are we? The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. In other words, the spirit that dwelt in Jesus dwells now in all who are in Christ. Is that, you think that's what it's saying? If the same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So who put life in your mortal body? The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. That's the spirit. The spirit that was in Christ incarnated, setting aside his attributes of deity, still God, not forfeiting his, his eternal position as God the Son, but set aside his power and lived like a man. It was the spirit of God who empowered him to live that life. So you and I can't say, well, but that was Jesus. You understand? That was Jesus. Now that was Jesus emptying himself and yet being filled with the Holy Spirit so that the things the Father did by the Spirit through him would be the things that God the Father, by the Spirit, would do through His church. And who is His church? His church are those who are in Christ. We'll turn, learn more about that on, on um, Tuesday. So, and so, and so th- here's, what, here's what Paul says to the Ephesians. Oh, I had that up there. I didn't realize that. Paul says this. Don't Get drunk with wine. Get drunk with gin. No, he doesn't say that. Do not get drunk with wine. For that, that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit. Addressing one another in psalms. Those are songs. And hymns. And spiritual songs. Singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Now, now why is Paul t- saying this to the Ephesians? Well, you'd have to read before that. But just so, what he's saying here is the more I get drunk on the things of this earth... Now, he's, but he's also saying don't get drunk. Don't, don't misunderstand. But what he's saying is, don't, this is don't be conformed to the world any longer. I read this scripture to you um, this morning. Don't live like the world. Because if you live like the world, you won't be living like you have the, spirit, the same spirit of God in you. That same spirit that raised from the dead. You can't... If you're in Christ, like I, I've just showed you this this morning, this kind of a, this, this chooser here, okay? I'm in Christ, but am I going to choose to live like I'm in Christ? Or am I going to choose to live like I'm still in Adam? That choice is still there for me. It doesn't make me in Adam when I choose to live like I'm in Adam. If I'm in Christ, I'm in Christ, actually becoming temporarily an insane, acting like I'm somebody I'm not. So now for the believer in Christ to sin is an unnatural act. Now, could you begin to think of that? To sin is unnatural. To sin is unnatural. Because as a child of God now, my new nature is that which is born of the Spirit, is Spirit, supernatural. Therefore, it is natural. It may not feel like it, but natural, it will, be, it will feel more like it. It's natural for you and me to do righteous things because in Christ I have become the righteousness of God in Christ. Did you hear what I just said? That's weird. That's true. And the more I believe that, the more I'll live like that. 
And the more I believe that, the more weird it'll feel. It will, it will be as if I'm going to Annette's closet in the morning and putting on her clothes. That's unnatural. That's just wrong. It doesn't fit either. And we'll see that. I'm, Paul says to get dressed in Christ. Put on Christ. Since you're in Christ, dress in the morning like you're in Christ. And that changes the way we talk and the way we do things. So we need to see that. Don't get drunk with wine. That's debauchery. That's like you're still in Adam. That's not who you are. Take the, take, get off the tricycle, man. Pull off the training wheels. Let's go. I'm going to talk a little bit about that tomorrow in church, I think. So if you're going to be there. But he says here, but be filled with the Spirit. Now this word here is not a one and done thing. This is the continuous present tense in the Greek. It is, but be being filled, but be constantly being filled with the Spirit. And what are we talking about? We're just talking about a relationship that's growing and growing and growing because I'm knowing him more and more. And what does that look like? It's this bubbling over thing. It's, I'm singing. I'm, I'm expressing. I'm not just sitting in a closet. I'm making melody to the Lord with my heart with one another. Again, big, big church statement right here in terms of the importance of living the Christian life in community. Huge, huge. And so we need to, we need to see that. So God wants us to be drunk with the Spirit. And we'll never be more sober. You hear me? We will never be more sober than, we are, than when we are drunk with the Spirit. And that's, that's good news. That's really good news. So the Holy Spirit gives us the character of Christ. He gives us the fruit of the Spirit. Here's Paul writing to the church in, Gal- in the Galatia region. He says, the fruit of the Spirit. Now, the fruit of what? Not the fruit of Frank or the fruit of Annette or the fruit of Mike or the fruit of, of uh, Amanda or anything else. The fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit which comes from the Spirit is it's love. It's joy, it's peace, it's patience, it's kindness, it's goodness, it's faithfulness, it's gentleness, it's self-control. And against such things there is no law. What he's saying here is this. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Now, let me ask you, have you experienced love and not experienced peace? Have you experienced love and not experienced patience? Have you experienced love and not experienced gentleness? See, out from the heart of God who is love is manifest this ever hopefully maturing fruit of his life in me right hey frank remember your body is the temple of the holy spirit who's within you whom you have from god you're no longer your own so worship god with your body and you know what happens when i worship god in the body the fruit of the spirit is manifest in me It's not me trying to grunt out fruit. It's not me trying to buy plastic fruit from the dollar store, the dollar and a quarter store now that hangs from me. It's the fruit that is birthed out of the Holy Spirit in me and my submission to him. The more I know him, the more I trust him, the more I trust him, the more I love him, the more I love him, the more I serve him. And the serving part is the fruit bearing part. And against such, I love this. And against such things, there's no law. Let me re- translate it this way. And against such things, there is no limit. There's no limit. You can't, you can't, you just can't limit love. If you try to, it'll just be momentary that you can limit it. Because God's power is unstoppable. And we need to know that. There's nothing like his life. Makes you fearless. Totally fearless. Because nothing means more. And then the the gifts of the Spirit are the gifts that you and I need to receive. Let me uh, just... I don't think I've got this, but just look in your booklet here. There's a bunch of... This is a big verse here. The, The gifts of the Spirit... Are, are, are brought to us in terms of the scripture in 1 Corinthians 12, Romans chapter 12, 1 Peter chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4. See it in different spots 
in the scripture. Um, and uh, I've just, I've just, I just gave you here two of, of these. 1 Corinthians 12. He says here, there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. There are a variety of service. Varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Now, do you see that, that, little, paraphr- that little prepositional phrase at the beginning of verse 7? To each. Okay, did you get that? To each. That's to each who are in Christ. Okay, to each. That would mean to everyone. In other words, there is, I, I could translate it this way. There's nobody left out. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Okay, we're in this thing. We're all in Christ together. He gives us the Spirit so that we'll grow together and it will benefit one another. We don't all get the same gifts. He says, for to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. To another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between Spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. All these, last verse, are empowered not by you, not by me, by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Would, Would you like a gift? Would you like a gift that you really need? I think this is the problem with too many of us. Me. I, I can, I'll be first in line. I don't ask. I don't seek. I don't knock. Is it because I don't believe? Well, maybe if I don't ask enough and knock enough and seek enough... I begin to not believe. Do you understand what I'm saying? The more I become inactive, or the more I become in-asking or unasking, the more that hunger dissipates and the more my belief wanes. And if you've... how many, anybody in here have just a particular ability to do something here, like a gift, like you can um, needlepoint? Needlepoint, any needlepointers in the room? No gifts of needlepointing here. Uh, Henry, okay, do you? What happens if you, have, if you don't needlepoint in about a year? Yeah, you got to go back. Your hands aren't, maybe your hands aren't in shape or anything else. I mean, there's probably a better example than that. Golf. Well, you're always bad at golf. It doesn't matter. Um, but whatever it is, if you don't use it, you've heard it said, if you don't use it, you lose it. Well, you don't necessarily lose it, but that dexterity and that, that nimbleness that you feel, that like you're, being, you're on top of your game, kind of goes away. And, uh, and that's the thing. This, Paul, uh, pardon me, Jesus says, hey, ask and keep on asking. Seek. And keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. Because he who asks and keeps on asking, receives. And he who seeks and keeps on seeking, finds. And to him who knocks and keep on, keeps on knocking, it will be open to him. Here's the thing. Annette even mentioned it this morning. My experience is the same. Maybe the same experience for you. I did not receive, there are gifts that I have prayed for and manifestations of the Spirit that I've prayed for that I did not receive immediately. But what did I do? I guess that doesn't work. And then just walk away. Or I guess that's not for today because that didn't happen. Now, you ask and keep on asking because if the Scripture's true, to each is given. To each is given. The manifestation of the Spirit 
for the common good, not for your good. Not you can put some badge on your on your chest, you know, like some military thing. Oh yeah, you see my gift of prophecy here, and uh, oh, this is my. I won this one over in Russia when I was missionary and work in Russia. That's my gift of faith here. No, this is for the common. This is any gift you get, any gift that Frank Loria gets is not for Frank Loria. It's for the common good. I'm certainly blessed to be a dispenser of the Spirit, but it's for the common good. Why? If God gives it, it's because we need it. We need Him. And He wants us to have it, and He doesn't want us to be ignorant of the power of the living God within us. Now, how He works, and why He works, and when He works, I got no idea. I just want to be present. I want to be present. I want to be present to pray. I want to be present to listen. I want to be present to hug. I want to be present to speak. I want to be present to see what God will do should he choose to do it. I just want to be there. I just want to be there. Because there's a better place to be than living as if, as if my body is the temple of God's spirit whom I have from him. I'm no longer my own. God has bought me with the price of his son so that he can live in me and live through me. You've heard me say this and I don't remember who I heard it from, but Christ, but God gave his life to me Pardon me, God gave his, life, gave his life for me to give his life to me so that by the power of his spirit, he would live his life through me. Gave his life for me on the cross to give his life to me in salvation and to live his life through me in my ever-increasing sanctification and being filled with God's spirit. And there are other gifts as well. I mean, let's, I didn't, I just look at Romans chapter 12. Um, let's just look at, I'm not going to read through all of, all of that, just through the top paragraph here, uh, page 12, uh, for as in one body, okay, one body, now he's not talking, he's talking about one body, the church, okay, and I, and there's the universal church, we'll talk about this Tuesday, and then there's the local church, it could be this Methodist, or that Baptist, or that non-denomination, whatever it is, but through the body, he says, for as in one body we have many members, yep, and the members do not have all the same function, do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually we are members of one another, individually we belong to one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them, okay? Let us use them, if prophecy in a portion to our faith. If service, in our serving. The one who teaches, in his teaching. The one who exhorts, in his exhortation. The one who contributes, in generosity. The one who leads, with zeal. The one who does acts of mercy, with cheerfulness. Now, there's a word in here. There's a five-letter F word in here. It's a big word. It's the word faith. He wants us to walk in faith. If all these things are true, why would I not believe him that he would want to... That was the thunder. Oh, gosh. Why would I not believe him that he has given me gifts to be used? And look, and, and some of those gifts are, are common grace gifts as well. We've got attorneys that have common grace gifts. We have plumbers that have attorney uh, uh, common grace gifts, doctors, etc., etc. This is more than that. This is the work of God's Spirit. And what does He want us to pray for? I think it's really clear here that we are to ask God to manifest faith in us that causes us to con constantly pray and pray and pray for him. Now remember what I said at the beginning of the morning. 
that every comfort zone is a former discomfort zone that we broke out of to grow in the maturity that this world affords, okay, and offers. We do that in the world. That's what we do. We grow. We go, we advance in school. We advance in our careers. We advance in relationships. We advance in many other ways. Christ has broken us out of the zone of the separation of death that we were unwittingly quite comfortable with. In Christ, we now can live as we have never lived before with a humble sense of his power, his love, and his wisdom that is birthed out of our being birthed into Christ by the Holy Spirit. It is a wild ride. It should be a wild ride of joy and surprise because you just never know. When you're present for God to work through you, you'll never know what he's going to do. But you're present for that to happen. It's a wild ride of joy and surprise where Christ now, I put him in control as the God of my being. And that wild ride will never, ever end. And there is more that he loves to give. He constantly wants us to grow. He wants us to understand, if we will, where I started this afternoon, we're a Yates field, so to speak. That is filled with the reserves, if you will, of God himself. And he wants us to believe him in faith. Even as the apostle, pardon me, as the prophet Isaiah said, Lord, here am I. Send me. Use me. Speak through me. If I'm the temple of your spirit, why not you get out of me? Why not, why would I not allow you to be in me and through me all you want to be? And so, as we, as we close up here in just a minute, you got nowhere to go. Um, uh, I thought we'd just spend some time praying. And this, <laughs> and this, and and I don't think this is just prayer for those of you guys who are guests. I, I, I want this. I want this prayer. I want to, be, God, I want to be constantly filled with your Holy Spirit. I want to be on 365, 24-7. Since I'm the temple of God's Spirit, why wouldn't I? That doesn't mean I don't go to a Saints game and enjoy that to the degree it can be enjoyed. Or... You know, or, uh, or, you know, or, uh, you know, or, or whatever you enjoy doing. Okay, I'm, I'm not talking about becoming like me, you know, what we talked about, like my friend. It's just, you be you with Christ in you. But you be you with Christ in you. You be you with God in you. I guarantee you, if somebody moved, if, if, if somebody you really respected and lauded moved into your house... You'd act different. If you're in the presence of someone that was like, Ooh, wow, that's fill in the blank. You'd be different. God Almighty has moved his residence into all who have received him. So that we can declare the glories of him who has called us out of Adam, out of darkness, and into his marvelous light. And so, um, I want, I think we should pray. And we've talked about gifts here. I don't know that God may not want to give gifts here today. Um, I would say he does. What those are, I can't say that I know. There may be some things here in this, the room this morning that you're here and you just, you need prayer for God to do a work in you. There, you may be coming here for some healing. Or you may just need some prayers answered. You may need to be in the car driving to a wedding reception with a bunch of chairs, angry at God. Because you can hardly see straight because of the allergies that you got. And maybe the gift, the power of God 
will be, and I think this is for at least one person in here right now, the power of God will be for you to thank God right where you are in the lousy place that you think you are. That is exactly where God has ordained you to be for something great for His glory that you don't know yet. That could be for me as well. Did that make sense? And so thankfulness is the power of God when the last thing that makes any sense is to thank God for that or to thank God in that or maybe you know you just sense I mean you feel like you're sitting on top of an explosive device and it's a good thing and it's about to go off but you just won't let go let go trust the spirit of God who has made you his dwelling place to be who he desires to be in you and that means for the Apostle Paul it meant a thorn in the flesh it meant a, a messenger of Satan it meant God not allowing him to exalt himself and when Paul said when Paul asked God to take the thorn in the flesh away from him Paul to Paul God said Paul my grace is all you need my power is made perfect in your weakness and so in great weakness in myself is great strength in God. And so, um, so let's do this. Um, let's pray. And if you want to be filled with God's Spirit, whatever that means to you, I can't tell you what that means to you. You want to you experience, God, there's a, there's a Yates Field reserve in me. That's even greater. Because look, as they pump the, the oil out of the Yates field, it, 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 was, it was leaving the Yates field. The good news is this, as God gets pumped out of us, it's just replaced with more of him. There is no end to this supply of God. So, let's just, let's just be still for a moment Lord, um, we're asking right now as, as men and women who are, I believe mostly here, your boys and girls, um, to, to reveal yourself in, in a, a deep way to us. We want to be filled with your spirit. We want to experience Christ in us and that power. Whatever that power is to look like. Lord, I, I don't belong to myself anymore. It's not for me to say. But right now, Lord, right where we are, we just say before you, with your spirit living in us, we surrender to your will. We surrender to what you desire to do in us and through us. We don't want fear and unbelief to drive us. We don't want them to be our chauffeurs. We want you, Spirit of God, to drive us. And so, Lord, right now we pray. We just, we just give you, Lord, any fears, any doubts. And we pray, God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, work in us right now. 